All right, sound is speeding. We are recording. Cool. All right, let's begin. Either they don't know, don't show, or don't care about what's going on in the hood. What's up, what's up, what's up? Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Adventures in Black Cinema, your passport to black film. My name is Desmond Thorne. I will be your host and your film aficionado for the day. So glad to be back here. So glad to have y'all back per usual. Uh... (sighs) I think I've made it pretty clear that I have been unemployed during the uh, vast majority of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. And with unemployment did come from April to July, this extra $600 that, of course, everyone's been talking about as it came to a close on July 31st. And, uh... You know, haven't seen any extra money since, and I'm back in New York, and it's not just me, it's, you know, it's everybody, and the unemployment rate is incredibly high. Uh, The money that you receive on unemployment uh, without that is quite low, and is only meant for it's only meant to sustain you for about a few weeks while you're looking for jobs. Obviously, what is so different about this is that, you know, there is a lack of jobs because there is a lack of things being open. And not only is there a lack of jobs, it's like, you know, do we feel safe being back in certain environments? Like, you know, I have largely worked in restaurants and movie theaters and, uh, you know, movie theaters are not open as of yet, as of today that I'm recording. Um, And with restaurants, it's like, you know, do I feel safe being in an environment with all of these people and, you know, with people apparently not complying with the mask thing and everything? And it's just so irresponsible of our government to let go of that extra money that was actually helping pretty much everyone and everything, including the economy, which as a capitalistic society and as a capitalistic government, you would think that they would care more about that, but I guess they care so little about us that that outweighs how much they care about money flowing into the system. And it's just so irresponsible um, of our government. And it just shows, again, how little they care about us, which is the perfect segue into today's episode, which is called Adventures in Housing and Hustling. And we're going to talk about a little film, a little hidden gem called Little Woods. But first, a new segment called Word on the Street. Yes, Cassius Marcellus Clay is the new heavyweight champion of the world, boy. Yes, he is. And I don't even have a scratch on my face. So Word on the Street is a new segment 
where I will be taking a look at some upcoming shit in the black film world and I'll give you the little word on the street about it. So there is an upcoming film called One Night in Miami and this is a film that is directed by Regina King. This is in fact Regina King's directorial debut. And this film is written by Kemp Powers based on his play. And it is the fictionalized story of Cassius Clay, Malcolm X, Jim Brown, and Sam Cooke as they celebrate Cassius Clay's surprise victory over Sonny Liston in a Miami hotel room in February 1964. They might be stopping it. That might be all, ladies and gentlemen. Obviously, Cassius Clay did eventually become Muhammad Ali. Uh, And, of course, the ever-going saga of me reading the autobiography of Malcolm X. I did just recently get to the part Uh, where Malcolm X is talking about this night that actually did happen, but this is, like I said, a fictionalized account of that night that happened. Uh, The film premiered on September 7th at the Venice Film Festival, making it the first film directed by a Black woman to be selected in the festival's entire history. Now, as me and Philip were talking about on the uh, Sister Act 2 episode, it is quite insane to be in 2020 and still be talking about these firsts that are happening in terms of uh, black people first, in terms of queer first, in terms of women first, in terms of um, women of color first in the entertainment industry and just like all over the place. It's super bananas that these things are happening now in 2020, Uh, but we do note them as they happen. This being the first black woman director making a uh, showing at the Venice Film Festival, uh, Miss Regina Kang. Early reviews have been nothing but raves, you know, citing how incredible Regina King's direction is, duh, she's perfect, and how intimate that this film feels in comparison to other biopics. Uh, To achieve a feeling of this kind of intimacy and the feeling of like actually being in a room with these guys is really quite a feat as a writer and as a director. And it really sounds like uh, Miss Regina Kang has achieved that from the directing standpoint. And there is already Oscar buzz beginning about this film among the unanimous praise. In terms of Oscar buzz this year, it's like... What the fuck? Uh, it's <laughs> September. It's like, when are these movies coming out? Are they coming out? Uh, Oscar, they did just change the rules of the Academy Awards. I think these rules are going to kick in in 2024 um, about, you know, there having to be a certain diversity and inclusion in front of and behind the camera. Uh, for films to be even considered uh, Best Picture nominees. Uh, Some of them are dope. Some of them are like, it's super easy to just have like some interns, some black interns. But, you know, I guess uh, progress. Uh, But yeah, Oscar season is going to be really interesting this year based on what's even able to be released. You know, Judas and the Black Messiah, which looks fucking incredible, is not being released until next year. So that's out of the picture. But, you know, maybe this film will be uh, up for some Oscar love, which would be super, super dope. I'm very excited to see this film. And I love when people get play adaptations right. 
Perfect examples of this being Moonlight and Fences. Uh, and I also love everyone involved in this film, as well as the approach to the material. Uh, this film stars Kingsley Ben Adir as Malcolm X. Eli Gorey as Cassius Clay, Aldous Hodge, who we love, who we stan as Jim Brown, and Leslie Odom Jr. as Sam Cooke. What I also love about this casting is that it's not a lot of stretches per se. It's people who you see doing these roles on paper and you're like, oh, that makes sense. That checks boxes. Can't wait to see Leslie Odom Jr. sang as Sam Cooke. It just makes a lot of sense and I can't wait to see these brothers like pull off some excellent work in this film, inevitably. Uh, Amazon acquired the rights to this film. Not sure of the release date. Not sure of anything these fucking days. Uh, But, you know, I'm very excited to see this whenever it drops. So without any further ado, let's get into the nitty gritty of Little Woods. You are here for one reason. One reason only. So Little Woods is a film directed by Nia DaCosta and is a film that was making the festival circuit run in 2018, but was released in 2019. Very similar to previous films, hidden gems that we have talked about on this podcast, uh, including Fast Color and Rafiki. Those films also made the festival circuit in 2018 and were released in 2019 last year. Uh, So a little summary of this film, uh, because you most likely have not seen it, it being an independent film and a hidden gem. Uh, This film tells the story of a woman named Ollie, uh, played by Tessa Thompson, who is on probation after getting caught illegally crossing the border between Canada and North Dakota, trying to essentially get some uh, drugs for her mother, who was ill at the time, and these drugs were not available in the United States. And she's also trying to get some money because, like, you know, it's the United States... We out here trying hard and not making much. So Ollie's hustling. She's trying to do any odd jobs that she can do for a local construction crew and trying to keep out of trouble. She has eight days left on her probation. And as she tries to keep everything in her life together and on the up and up, issues involving her sister Deb, played by Lily James, and the house that their mother owned pile up, leading Ollie back to her life of selling drugs and smuggling across the border. This film also stars Luke Kirby, who is well known for his Emmy-winning role as Lenny Bruce on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and Lance Reddick, who plays Ollie's probation officer. When you walk in the garden That's right, we got ourselves a nigga from the wire up in this movie. Lance Reddick is known for playing Lieutenant Daniels on The Wire. And I just love that my point continues to be proven that 75% of all black films will contain at least one nigga from the wire. And this film fits the bill. So some fun facts about this film. This film was originally intended to be a modern retelling of Othello, hence the names of 
Ollie, which is short for Oleander, and Deb, which is short for Deborah. I would like to see, I guess, a draft or an outline or an idea of how this could have been in retelling of Othello, uh, because I don't see it outside of the fact that, you know, Ollie is black and Deb is white. Uh, but you know, I do love the fact that films do change and evolve over time and that this started out as something so completely different than what it ended up being. Uh, another fun fact is that a working title for this film was Crossing the Line, which I'm glad they didn't go with. It does feel a little on the nose, uh, but definitely, again, like, Everything has to start somewhere, you know? Uh, uh, last fun fact is that Nia DaCosta, the director of this film, not only has Candyman coming out soon, hopefully, but also has a remake of Sleeping with the Enemy in the works and also has been picked to helm Captain Marvel 2. This sister is about to be doing some work and I'm so excited for her. Her work on this film is quite excellent, and I'm just so excited to see her do even more and go further and just have an excellent and beautiful career. So my first experience with this film was actually watching it for this podcast. I had heard about it when it came out, you know, similar to Fast Color and Rafiki, like I said. It had its festival run in 2018 and had a very small release last year. And of course, I heard more about it when Candyman was in the works and as Candyman was being promoted. A lot of people when the first Candyman trailer, the excellent trailer came out, a lot of people took to Twitter to make sure that people knew that though Jordan Peele had a hand in helping write the screenplay and is a producer on the film, that Nia DaCosta is in fact the director of Candyman. And uh, a lot of people in talking about that ended up, you know, mentioning Little Woods, which I thought was so great. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the adventures that we're getting into in this film, which are housing and hustling. So something that this film makes very clear and something that COVID itself has made very clear is that America does not help those in need. Uh, I think before this situation happened, this is not something that everyone felt at the same level. I think we all felt it at different levels, and I think we still do to a certain extent. But it's so clear that America backs people into a corner and punishes them for wanting to do the right thing for themselves and tells them that they have to pay a lot of money to get out of it. Like, it's insane. I was talking to a friend who is a person who is differently abled about how she gets so severely punished by... Uh, insurance and the healthcare system in this fucking country uh, by the um, crazy amount of debt that she has. And it also makes me think of the fact that, you know, in order to f get a higher education in this country, you have to pay out of your ass for student loans. And it's kind of crazy that like in order to want to get better in this country, you end up owing so much fucking money. And um, this is such a big factor of why Ollie in this movie has to get back into, quote unquote, the life. You know, it's because the house that her and uh, Deb's mother lived in before she died is up for foreclosure. 
And, uh, you know, Ollie wants to get a job in Spokane. She wants to leave North Dakota and she wants to move forward with her life. And she wants to make sure that her sister is good and that her sister's son is good. Like, she also um, mentions in this conversation that she has with this woman who she's interviewing with for the job in Spokane, um, she mentions how housing is a bitch to find and that, like, there is such a housing crisis in this area. And you see that a lot in these um, areas of the country where it's very rural, but now they are building a lot of um, new housing, new buildings, lots of gentrification going on because people are, again, moving away from the cities and trying to go back to a kind of slower life and a more open life and a more life of nature. And that displaces the people who have been there forever. And that's essentially kind of what's happening here. You know, in Ollie's interview, she mentions that, you know, uh, housing is something if you can find it. Uh, nobody in this movie really has like a proper home. You know, Ollie is living in the house that their mother owned previously, but Deb does not have a house. Deb lives in essentially a trailer or like an RV with her young son in the middle of a parking lot, and it's not even under her name, which, you know, comes into play later in the film, why that's important that it's not even in her name. Um, uh, Deb's baby father lives in this kind of, it almost looks like a weird, like, dorm housing situation um, where a lot of the construction workers live, and... uh, It really reminds me a lot of people being evicted during COVID. Like, it's really insane to me that during this time where the unemployment rate is so high, where there are no jobs... Um, and people are not getting the financial help that they need from the government, that people are being evicted from their houses and the places that they live. It just, again, shows this kind of theme of America backing people into a corner, punishing them and not helping them when they need it. There was this... um, rent relief program that they proposed for New York, and I think it ended up happening. But when I was looking into it, you know, I first heard about it, and I was like, oh, this is great, some rent relief, something, something. You know, if this man isn't going to cancel the rent, you know, maybe there'll be some sort of relief. No, it was basically a subsidy program. It was basically saying that, like, they were going to assess the uh, financial stress that rent had based on your income before COVID. Let's say that I'm making X amount of money and the financial burden of rent on my salary is like 70%. So I'm left with like 30% of my salary to do with whatever I please. 
Um, this was basically saying that like they were gonna take the difference of the money that you were making before COVID and then during COVID and then reassessing the financial stress. So if the financial stress happened to go up to like 80% or 90%, they would assess that and pay the difference directly to your landlord as a three-month subsidy. Huh? That sounds confusing as fuck, right? Yes. Because it is confusing as fuck. And it's one of those things that the government does to still make sure that they don't really have to do anything because this financial burden was reassessed to include unemployment. And they knew at the time that many people who were unemployed were actually receiving more money than they received while they were working. So essentially... It was fucking bullshit. And that is what you see a lot of in this movie in terms of, uh, you know, this housing crisis and also in terms of the healthcare system. So the reason that Ollie needs to help Deb is because Deb is pregnant with her second child and Deb has made the decision that she cannot have a second child. And you see the environment that she's living in. She lives, like I said, in a trailer home, in a parking lot that does eventually get taken away. She already has a young child. Her baby father is not reliable at all. He is, in fact, very, very shitty. There is a scene in which uh, Deb decides to tell her baby father, who I think his name is like Ian or something, she decides to tell him that she's pregnant and that she has decided to have an abortion. And, uh, you know, Ian says something to the effect of, you know, don't have the abortion, like, I can do better. And Deb just says to him, you can't. And this is a situation that many women find themselves in. And it really even shouldn't have to be all that for a woman to decide that she wants to have an abortion. If a woman wants to have an abortion, that should be her choice. It is her body. And it should not be so goddamn fucking expensive to do so. And it should not be so inaccessible. If you are... If you believe that you cannot provide a child with what a child needs, or you just don't want to fucking have a baby, that should be your choice. And they say in this movie that, you know, Deb has been quoted $8,000 just to have the baby without insurance, which is a whole other thing. You know, health insurance being so inaccessible in this country for many people, there is no health care for all. And the only place to get a safe abortion is miles and miles away. And it's also incredibly expensive. So essentially what ends up happening here is that Ollie has to take Deb across the border to Canada to get an abortion because America is that fucking shitty in terms of healthcare and in terms of reproductive rights. It approaches this subject with such realism and such a specificity that you really only get from a woman directing and writing this film. Um, When Deb does eventually get to the abortion clinic in Canada, 
uh, the scene where she's talking to the receptionist because, you know, she has to do all this shit in order to make that happen, right? She has to barter to find information, um, to find a place to get an abortion. She has to deal with these dangerous ass men to get a fake ID um, to get the abortion in Canada. And when she's talking to the receptionist, you can just see the specificity in the receptionist's eyes and how she deals with it, that the receptionist knows exactly what Deb is dealing with and exactly what Deb is going through and exactly how much Deb needs this and, you know, lets her go through. It, again, just shows the powerful filmmaking and specificity from Miss Nia DaCosta just doing the damn thing and just really giving this uh, subject the care and attention that it needs and that it deserves. Uh, In terms of hustling, yo, one of the first things that happens in this movie is that you hear a song called Workin' Woman Blues by Valerie June. know about Valerie June, you need to go listen to some Valerie June right now. Spotify, Apple Music, get on Valerie June. Valerie June is a black country and folk singer. She has the vocal patterns of Dolly Parton, but kind of has the vocal tone of Whitney Houston. It is incredible. She's such a dope artist, and it's so cool hearing this song um, close to the beginning of the movie because, you know, you are seeing a essentially like a black Western. Uh, this film definitely has Western vibes uh, to it. And to see black people in a Western is something you don't see a whole lot. And to hear a black person singing this country folksy music is something you don't hear a lot. And of course, the song being called Working Woman Blues just totally fits into the theme of hustling here because everybody in this film is hustling in one way or another just to get by and to do good. I think the United States... um, in particular, like there is this whole idea and thought of um, having to hustle, like forcing people to hustle, uh, to work for them, to not even work for themselves. Like Ollie is up in this film hustling, trying to do what she can. She is, you know, doing those odd jobs at the, uh, for the construction guys, you know, giving them coffee, making them sandwiches and shit. And then of course, you know, hustling with the drugs, you know, putting herself in danger. You know, Deb is hustling in her own way to try to figure out how and where she can get this abortion. And, um, Yeah, the U.S. really does promote this lifestyle. Um, Of course, you know, we're not all hustling in the same way that these women are hustling in this movie. But I don't know about y'all, but before COVID, I was hustling my ass off for like no reason, for little returns. I would work a job in the morning, go to the gym. Then I would either prep for rehearsal and then go to rehearsal, or I would go to a job in the evening, 
or I would do work for another job that was doing on the side. I was essentially at some point kind of working like four jobs at one time. What? And the crazy thing about it was I wasn't making that much money, honey. It was insane. And I don't want to go back to that at all. Um, I think that is something that COVID has taught me a lot. Um, that I was so overwhelmed and I was really to a breaking point that I didn't even realize that I was dealing with. Um, I was to a point where I was just so fucking exhausted and so fucking done and just like, I don't think I was living life in a way that was joyful and in a way that I was able to actually relax and enjoy my life, enjoy my friends, enjoy my family. Um, And now that I've experienced what it's like to not do so much during COVID and to do things that I truly enjoy, I mean, that's not to say I was not enjoying my jobs. I actually am very lucky in that I have really enjoyed all of the jobs that I've, well, not all the jobs I've had, but the jobs that I was working in terms of, you know, directing shows. I was working at a breakfast truck. I was working at a film festival, still am working at the film festival, was working at the movie theater. So these are all dope jobs in and of themselves, but doing them all together was just like bananas. And, um, that hustling lifestyle is something that I don't want to go back to again. And the reasons why it happens in this movie is genuinely and honestly for good. You know, Ali is out here hustling for her family. She is trying to make sure that her sister is a-okay and I and solid when she leaves and gets that job and moves forward with her life. She wants to make sure that her sister can move forward with her life and that her um, sister's son is able to have a life that is not so up in the air and just uncertain, you know? Um, And also, you know, she's hustling for herself. She wants to get out of this situation that she's in. And, you know, sometimes that's what you have to do. And again, it's really crazy that because of these systems that are put in place in the United States, that she has to resort to some illegal shit to make her life better for herself and those that she loves. So in conclusion, This Hidden Gem is a film that is excellently done by Nia DaCosta with great performances from Tessa Thompson and Lily James. They work super well together and have a very dope chemistry. It instantly shows the promise of a brilliant filmmaker. And like I said up top, I cannot wait to see more from Miss Nia DaCosta. The colors that she uses in this film, the shots, the editing, the lighting, it is all super tight. This film shows America in such an interesting and more realistic fashion uh, than we are used to seeing at times. And is an interesting look at the pain that everyone goes through that is not part of the 1%. And honey, that's us. I'm not the hugest fan of the Western genre usually. You know, there are some exceptions. Uh, some that come to mind being... Uh, 
the assassination of Jesse James by the Robert Coward Ford and No Country for Old Men, but we ain't gonna talk about those because those are white movies. Uh, but Nia does such a good job at this genre and uh, making me care and look at these folks with empathy. This film is available to stream now on Hulu. All my life I had to fight. So the time has come for this week's You Better Act Award. And if you are new to Adventures in Black Cinema, this is an award that we give out every week to a Black performance that I love, love, love and want to give more attention and praise to. So this week's You Better Act Award goes to, drumroll please. Taraji P. Henson in Hustle and Flow. Speaking of hustling, y'all, I mean, this is the first time I remember seeing Taraji on screen. I saw Baby Boy much later. Uh, I was probably on BET because they show that movie like clockwork. And uh, I was blown away by her gentle and subtle performance in Hustle and Flow. You know, I was praying and hoping that she would get as big and well-known as she eventually did. I mean, she is an absolute fucking star right now. Um, in Hustle and Flow, she plays a sex worker named Suge, who is living with a pimp played by Terrence Howard, who dreams of becoming a hip-hop MC. She eventually becomes an integral part of his music-making journey, his music-making journey, and uh, Taraji also features on the Oscar-winning song Hard Out Here for a Pimp, and she got to perform that with 3-6 Mafia at the Oscars. Hard out here for a pimp. He don't get He's trying to get his money for the rent. He don't get the Cadillac and gas money spent. One of the most surprising wins in recent history. That was so dope. That was such a fun performance. Um, Taryn Manning, Ludacris, Anthony Anderson, and Paula J. Parker are also in this film. It's also worth noting that these two leads, Taraji P. Henson and Terrence Howard, also reunited later on the show Empire, which was popular for a time, but then became kind of trash, unfortunately. Uh, if you have not seen Hustle and Flow, it is available to rent on Amazon and iTunes. Check it out. So in closing, some food for thought. Uh, how have you been able to make ends meet during the pandemic? Like, are there any resources that everyone should know about? Please hit us up on SFB Society. You know, comment on IG per usual at Adventures in Black Cinema. Thank you so much per usual to our audio engineer, Matt Mozzarella, our producer, Angie, and our executive producer, Miss Amanda Seals. Next week on the podcast, I will be getting into the nitty gritty of white chicks. Be sure to come back and listen for that one. And I will see y'all next week. Stay safe, stay black, stay blessed.
Oh, it's over. Great.